Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of And Then It Hit Me. I'm your co-host, Francis Rose. And I'm your co-host, Lindsay. All right. Today, we have a special guest all the way from New Jersey, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Awesome. So this is Leah Shape. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you very much. Welcome. All right, so we're going to dive right into it. Okay. We've heard a little bit about your journey, and we find that you, you're truly inspiring, and that's why we wanted to interview you. So for those listening, would you kindly introduce yourself and share your full story with us? Sure. Um, my name is Leah Shave. I live in New Jersey. Um, I'm a single mom of three kids. Uh, I have a 24-year-old, 21-year-old, and 20. Um, so when this... Yeah, yeah, but I'm very lucky. They're all either out of college, one just graduated, and the other two are in college. So I'm very lucky, very fortunate. Um, They're really good kids. Yeah, they're good kids. Um, That helps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does. So I've been a single mom for about 19 years for a very long time. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when this, you know, accident happened, yes, I was a single mom. Um, It took place over Thanksgiving. Um, I had worked out at the gym because my kids were with their uh, father and it was in 2012. Okay. So they were with their father and I was, I guess, probably feeling a little bit lonely and whatnot. And I'm home on Thanksgiving. Like, yeah, I may as well go to the gym. <laughs> so, <laughs> cause what else do you do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I went to the gym and I was leaving the gym and it was probably, it was dusk. It was about, you know, five 30 or so. And outside the gym, there is a crosswalk that is marked very well with the cars must stop and yield to pedestrians in the crosswalk. Mm-hmm. And I okay. stepped into the crosswalk off the, the curb and I looked to my left and there was not a car coming. And I looked to the right and they had slowed down to stop to give me, you know, the right of way. Mm-hmm. And then when I looked again to my left, there was a car that was coming that had run a red light. Oh. And at that point, I, out of the corner of my eye saw it and I said, I, I'm going to get hit because all I saw was the, the headlights coming. Right. Um, so how I was, well, I can get into more of it later, but how um, things unfolded was actually really good in my favor. But yeah, the car hit me. He was a 92 year old driver. Oh no. Oh shoot. Yeah. Um, did not see me at all. Had no idea he hit me. So oh. I, I was on the hood of his car for about 600 feet before he realized and then slammed on the brakes. So then I went crashing into the asphalt. So it was like a double whammy. Oh my God. Were you conscious throughout? Unfortunately, yes, I was. I never lost consciousness, which is one of the things people ask, like, like, I I wish I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I wish I did. How, so when you realized what was happening, what were the thought process is going on in your head um that's interesting because it is it's almost like you tell people it sounds cliche but it is like what how they depict it in movies it's like everything slows down right I can you know picture every single thought in my head as it was happening because it just seemed to really slow down right and the first thing is is like I cannot believe this is happening to me mm-hmm. um, wow. and then the second thing you know was trying to limit getting hurt as much as possible so when I hit the windshield I I cracked the windshield actually with my head (laughs) oh my goodness yeah it was was yeah and then when I hit the asphalt and I remember saying I'm in the street like I could get hit 
now by another car. Yeah. And that was my gut instinct. And so, and I knew I was bleeding from my head and I just covered my head. Mm. Um, I just didn't want to get further, you know, injured. So right. at that point, that's what it was. It's like, you know, I can't believe this is happening, but now what, what can I do? You know? So. Right. Yeah. Could you describe to us what your recovery process looked like? Um, that was interesting um, because the extent of my injuries were uh, obviously I had a really bad um, head injury um, right. and the, my knee, um, I had to have knee replacement and I had to have an ACL replacement. Um, so there was a lot that was going on with that. So um, they decided not to do the knee surgery or the ACL right away because yeah. of the trauma to the body and they wanted the swelling and everything to go down. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like having two different incidences because there was that that happened, you know, in November and they decided to do the uh, surgery in February. So then there was a whole oh, yeah. new like recovery process after that. Yeah. So this is February, 2013, I'm assuming. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So your recovery, your, I mean, the immediate recovery took over a year then because the surgeries were so far apart. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. man. And it's wow. like starting at square one all over again. It was. It really was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a little bit, yeah, not fun. <laughs> so kidding. And how has your life changed from 2012 up until today? Um, well, the other part, the flip side is if like being an ex and it isn't bad enough. Um, he didn't have insurance. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. And it's yeah. a lot different in the States, I'm learning. <laughs> it's very different. Um, and so I did have insurance. However, I won't name the companies, but my health insurance um, said a, you know, the auto insurance should cover it mm -hmm. because I was a pedestrian. And my auto insurance said, no, this is, she wasn't involved in her car. So we're not going to cover it. Um, yeah, so I had to get an attorney involved, and unfortunately, he said you are in that gray area where neither of them really has an obligation to pay. Oh my God! Wow. So, yeah, and then when they looked at his financials, um, he was ninety-two. He had nothing. Um, yeah. So there was nothing to. I couldn't sue. So all of this came had to come out of you know my pocket, which was again single mom with three kids. That was just. Oh my God. So that was a hard part. So I think there's a recovery of physical, but then the emotional and then the financial was just yeah. really difficult because when that set in, I was just like, this is not going to go away for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and you actually can't work to support yourself well, while you're going through it. Correct. I was out of work for over a year. Um, wow. Because of that, yeah. Does your insurance have um, some sort of income replacement? It did not. Oh man. Oh my God. Yeah. So how did you manage? Um, I lived off of savings. Wow. Um, yeah. Cause I had spoken to, you know, I had two different attorneys, one, you know, I had used and then I, I didn't like the advice I was getting. Mm -hmm. um, I had spoken to him and I said, listen, I'm, you know, living off savings, you know, is everything okay? This was like, you know, two or three months into it. Right. And you're fine because I guess here, and I did not know this, but they assign almost like certain values to certain injuries. And right. he said, due to the injury that you have, you should recoup this kind of amount of money at the minimum. But then he's like, oh, you know, 
he was a little bit of a salesperson, you know, throw in there that you're a single mom and you're making it on your own. You got three kids. They're going to, you know, any jury's going to award you more. So he made me feel a little bit, I don't know. I, that sounded not, you know, right to me. Yeah. Right. Which is why I got a second opinion. And when I got the second opinion, he actually ended up taking my case completely for free because he felt so badly for me. Yeah. Um, so in the end, uh, yeah. And I remember at the end when he called me into his office, he's like, I really wish I had better news for you. He said, I just have to tell you that I think you should just pick up and move on as best you can. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> so in terms of the best you can, what was that? What did that look like for you? It was really hard. Um, because I could not find a full-time job at that point where like a lot of sitting was required. My doctor was like for anything, more, you know, than three hours, you really can't be stationary and sedentary. Um, my leg was in, in a brace and a cast and I did have, you know, crutches and whatnot. So and anybody walking in, if I, you know, went in, they weren't going to hire me. I was a liability. <laughs> right. And you so, needed a good balance between sitting and standing kind of thing. Correct. Right. Um, and he just said to be immobile for that long, you know, and given everything else, um, you know, and then, so it was very, very difficult trying to uh, make money and uh, get into a different, you know, line of, of work after all this too. That was hard because, um, you know, after coming back then and I was okay and cleared for work, um, even though I had a gap in employment, people don't want to hear that. Um, right. I, I was, you know, in my, you know, early forties, there was ageism thing, I think going on too. So that was tricky. So it was hard to find work again, um, coming back in. Wow. You are a soldier. I kind of thought our stories were bad, but I have to say you top ours. Yeah, no kidding. Because it's, it's, it's problem after problem after problem. And it's like, at what point do you get a break? No kidding. Well, that's, I think that was the hardest part was when, you know, um, when they said, you know, this guy doesn't have insurance yeah. and he has nothing, like no assets. There's nothing even, you couldn't even sue. Cause I, I mean, I feel badly like a 92 year old man. I don't want yeah. to be somebody who's going to ruin his life, but I felt yeah. he did something wrong. He ran a red, exactly. you know, exactly. there, he owned something. And it's and not fair for you to incur those costs. Yeah. I just oh, wow. completely went into panic mode because I'm like, yeah. okay. What, now what do I do? I, right. I, you know, I, was, I wasn't prepared for an accident to recover physically. Mm. But now how do I handle the, the financial end of it? And I've got three children. Yeah. Uh, high school, like, like middle school to high school at that point. I'm just like, I, it was really difficult. <laughs> wow. So through all these obstacles that you had to overcome, what would you find the most helpful during your recovery? If there's anything. <laughs> right. I know, right? Um, the silver I, lining. <laughs> um, you know, it just resiliency. I hate to say yeah. it sounds corny, but nope, you just have real. to have resiliency. And, and you have yeah. to give yourself a purpose. Yeah. Um, I know when I wasn't working, the hardest thing was trying to find a purpose for that day. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you're in pain and you're having a physical injury as well, it's very easy. And I was definitely in a depression, um, not only because of the physical pain and limitations, because um, I had been somebody, I mountain biked. I mean, I was a snowboarder. Um, and to get, you know, a major leg injury like that. Um, yeah, that kind of curtailed all of that. And that was depressing. So yeah. you had physical, like that you could do an outlet like that taken away. I had the 
financial and it's just, yeah, it was, I was in a depression. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> you just have so, to celebrate those small victories. You have to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so I, I just would say like, yeah, you have to find a purpose to every day and just, you know, uh, make, make that your goal and you have to, you know, be rewarding of yourself and, and you know, yeah. And give yourself like that cheerleading and say, okay, I did something good today. Don't look at what you didn't do. You have to look at what you did do. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm blown. <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> what would be three characteristics of a survivor which would make up a successful recovery? I think it's determination. Mm -hmm. I think it's hope. And I think it's the ability to forgive yourself if you have a bad day. It's okay to be down. You just can't live there. I like that one. Yes. You can't. How did you, you cope it. with those bad days? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Probably not too well from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just, like I said, you have, to, you have to feel it. and You have to allow yourself to feel it. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. people don't do that. Um, they think it's wrong to sometimes maybe slide into that. But I think you, you have to because if you don't, you're not respecting what you went through. And right. it is okay to cry and feel bad and be depressed. Yeah. There's a lot to be depressed about, but you, right. like, you just can't live there. No. Got to get back up, dust yourself off again, and try again, right? As yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing, yeah. too, is, like, it, it takes as long as it takes. Um, you know, and exactly. people suffer loss, whether, you know, or, or injury or something like that traumatic. You, you, there's no rules. So people can't say, oh, you know, you're four months post. You should feel better. You should be right. up and going. You should be... No, that's the worst kind of pressure somebody can feel. I think it just takes as long as it takes, and you have to recognize that, you know? And everybody's different. Correct. And just for the record, how long did it take you to learn to accept certain days were going to be bad and certain were good? And at what point did you feel comfortable coping with the good and the bad? I don't know that I still have yet, to be honest with you, um, oh, because... Wow. I mean, I, I'm going to be, you know, brutally honest because, yeah. um, because of the financial situation, I don't think I, well, I know I didn't, I didn't fully rehab probably the way I should have mm -hmm. because um, I couldn't afford the out of pocket for the rehabilitation right. that was required. So, um, yeah, I lived with a lot of pain. Yeah. With my knee. Um, I don't have any like lateral movement is the best way I can say it. I have no like lymph on that knee. So I used to play a lot of tennis. And I would tell people, you know, how you kind of kind of jump to move laterally. I have zero um, of that, right? So that's always like, a, uh, you know, like that's not my fault. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's the financial. Um, I'm really struggling still um, because that my home is, I'll be honest, is in foreclosure. And um, yeah, because I just, I couldn't meet that level of income either. And it had taken my savings. So it just was, it is what it is. But, you know, again, you have to focus on, you know, what's going to keep you moving. So. Right. Wow. wow. If you could leave us all with one piece of advice, what would that be? I think the biggest thing, and I think this is just true in life in general, is you really do have to look at and concentrate on what you're grateful for. And it's very easy. And I think that helped, you know, through the depression too, though, but you, you can't focus on what you lost or what you don't have. And it's so easy to, and it's so uh, easy to get bitter and angry 
yeah. that somebody took from you because let's be honest, they call them accidents for a reason. This wasn't our choice. Exactly. Right. And I tell people that's what's hard for me with the financial aspect because up until that point, I had done everything right. Mm-hmm. I had savings. I was taking care of my kids. I was very proud. I had my own house. Yeah. I had a good level that was good. Yeah. yeah. No fault of my own. Like absolutely yeah. no fault of my own. It all got like completely turned around. Yeah. The why me hits. Right. And yeah. bitterness. And I didn't want to be bitter. I don't want to be bitter. I'm like, I have another 40 years left in me. So mm-hmm. what am I going to let define that part of my life? The next part. Okay. I had no control over it. Okay. But I do have control on how I handle it and how I move forward from it. Mm-hmm. And for my kids who saw, you know, everything, what kind of model do I want to be? Right. I want them to say, oh, my mom, you know what? She went through this thing. She never got over it. You know, that's, no, I wanted them to be like, damn, my mom came up against a car. You wow. wouldn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> like how many people can say they did that? You know, exactly. so. <laughs> I'm sure they look up to you. Yeah. I, so. I, I, do. I, I definitely so. think they do. Now, do they, I assume they talk to you about it and how it's impacted them. Do you know how they've kind of recovered from this with you? Because I'm sure it's impacted them as well. I don't think fully they completely have um, because my daughter, um, when this happened, was about uh, 11 or so, 11 or 12. Really young, so, yeah. Yeah. So even now, um, if I don't answer like a cell phone text message or something like that, she gets very, yeah, she can get that way um, because she's, you know, she has the right to say, mom, at one point you were, you're in an accident. We didn't know what happened. Right. right. So it's impacted them that way. Um mm-hmm. And I also think they had to grow up a lot more quickly. Um, right. I didn't have help. I didn't have family here. So wow. they, and I couldn't walk and couldn't make them breakfast. I couldn't make dinner. Couldn't go to the grocery store because I couldn't drive with my, you know, originally. So that was really, they took on, had to take on a lot more than they probably should have at that age. Wow. And what responsibilities did they have to take on given that there was a lot that you couldn't do for them? Yeah, it was like, um, I know my oldest son, Devin, would have to cook for the kids. <laughs> I, think they had a lot of I think they ate a lot of pasta. <laughs> Macaroni and cheese, Katie. Exactly, right? <laughs> um, you know, helping with homework and just things like that. I know my daughter had a couple times at school. Um, she had to go to the school counselor over mm-hmm. this. Um, because, too, you have to remember also, like, people hear, oh, it's an accident. It, these are violent accidents. They're violent mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not like you had an injury snowboarding or it, they're violent. You look like you were in something really bad. And so they saw that and the bruising and the, you know, the scarring and the, and everything. Yeah. And that made a really, um, I think, strong impression. So I know there's a couple of times where she had issues at school um, where she had to go, you know, to see the guidance counselor and, and kind of talk through some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah, you you and your family have gone through a lot together, um, but I think you're all also making an impact, a, a positive impact on those around you, and that you're inspiring them to move forward. I hope so, because um, like you know, again, you have to focus on what you have, and it's very easy not to or get down. But um, as I use for inspiration too, um, I had you know a couple of friends who have passed away from either cancer or just things like that. And I sit there and go, as bad as my life is and as bad as I think it is, they would trade places with me in a heartbeat to have more time with their loved ones, to have more time to see a sunset. And that sounds really cliche and corny, 
but it really brings me to center when I think like that. I go, Leah, you feel sorry for yourself. You know what? They would trade places, like I said, with you in a heartbeat to have more time. And I have time. It may not be in the way I want it to be. However, again, I have a little bit of control over that. So it's your new norm and you just have to live life to the fullest, right? Exactly. Yep. No, exactly. Wow. Um, Oh, I had a question that escaped me, but actually, do you have any questions for us? No, I think um, what I, I guess, you know, one of my, the, the thing I struggle with the most, I'm just wondering if anybody else had this, because since I didn't lose consciousness, the thing that like kind of haunts me and I still sometimes have nightmares or whatever, is that utter feeling of if you really think, because again, when this thing happens, you don't know how injured you are, what's going to happen that you didn't get to say goodbye. Mm. Did anybody else feel that? Like that feeling of when you're not sure exactly what happened, what's going on, like you wouldn't get to talk to your loved one, like you didn't have them there. Like, cause I, for me, like I'm laying in the street and then I was surrounded by strangers. Right. Who were very helpful and whatnot. But my, what kept going through my head is I just, I want to talk to my kids. I want to you know tell them, you know, like all those things. And I think that's, that was, that's hard. And sometimes that really, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense like that's like, I can't I can't say anything because I was out of it for two weeks but Francis right. <laughs> yeah I was just about to say I think I can relate to you more in that because I was conscious through the whole thing um there was a period where everything was dark I as in it was pitch black so I could feel everything I could hear everything and I can hear the people you know running to my rescue but I couldn't see anything. It was pitch black as if someone just covered my eyes. Um, and in that moment, I just, I felt helpless, but also I felt like it was it. I was like, is this how it feels to go? And I was like, how, how is anyone going to tell my mom? How is anyone going to tell my family, my friends? It was, I can't even describe it in words. It felt unreal. All right, because um, I haven't spoken to anybody else who's had that feeling, and it's hard to explain exactly the depth of that. Yeah. And if I even think about it, I tear up almost immediately because it's a, a despair that you can't explain. Exactly. And it's funny, me and Lindsay have this conversation all the time because um, I hate to say it, but she was kind of fortunate in that she doesn't remember that part. Whereas I think we and I do remember every aspect, and that plays a huge role into our PTSD. And um, to be honest, I felt a little bit guilty even when I was going through it, because even though I couldn't see anything, all I kept thinking was about how I was going to get through just physically getting up in that moment. I was like, I felt, I felt bad for the people who had to stop their lives to come running for me. Um, there was so many thoughts going on through my head. And like, like you said, it's really hard to put into words, um, but it was dark. It was a really, really dark, dark moment and a dark place to be. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's because people ask me like, what was the worst part? I'm like, that, that is actually the worst part. I would agree. I think it's, it's so bad because it's the unknown. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And and whether you believe this or not either, from my perspective, I've had dreams where I was there out of body looking over at everything, watching oh, wow. everybody watching everybody cry, everything like that. And yeah. being able like standing there and being like, 
why don't you guys hear me? Like, I'm okay. Like, I make it. I'm okay, guys. It's all right. Oh, wow. That is very stressful waking up being like, oh my God, was that a dream or was that real or what and was are that? those recurring dreams or was I've it like had a, I've had it a bunch of times. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man. And I'm told now I have night tears, which I couldn't tell you what, like, I don't remember them until the next morning when I'm told what I did or what I said. So in bed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. It is. The mind is a crazy thing. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I saw that's another thing. Like I have, um, you know, like memory cognitive issues now too, yep. which I didn't realize, but part of how I tried to keep myself busy um, when I couldn't work is I took part-time classes at a local college by me as long as they were less than three hours. Right. And I would read yeah. things and I could not remember what I read. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that that's so not me. I was much the opposite. I would be somebody who could study for a test and cram because I, had all, you know, I, and I'm like, oh, this, this cannot be my new norm. Like, there's no way. Like, it yeah. was, I was not prepared for that. Um, and that takes getting used to. And sometimes in my role now in a job, um, I get sometimes anxious about that, to be honest with you. Um, if we have, if I have something that I have to read and digest and really um, have to, yeah, that causes me anxiety sometimes because I know it's not there. It's not the same. I feel the same as you. I was back to, sorry. I can't read. No, sorry. I, I, there are some days where I read something and I think it's a certain letter or a certain number. And when someone goes through it with me, totally different. And I yeah. don't, I don't know how to explain it. Now, and, and movies, I, I joke with people. I feel like it's 51st States or Groundhog Day sometimes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I know I saw the movie. I can't tell you much about it, but I know yeah. I, and that's frustrating. Yeah. Because even my kids with some memories, they're like, you know, mom, like, you don't remember that? And I, I feel embarrassed. Um, so there's gaps. There's definitely gaps. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being thank so transparent with us oh, and no, of course. your story. Um, we really appreciate it. And, and I'm confident that your story is going to inspire other people. So thank you so for much. Sure. For that your no, thank you for asking me. Seriously. Um, you know, I wish that I wish this was kind of more around when I, you know, when I was going through it. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. So I think this is a really good thing because people don't talk about it. No. Exactly. And there's no shame in talking about it. It's, it's an experience that we go through and it's only going to be easier when we talk about it and build a community around it. So that's exactly what my goal and Lindsay's goal was together to make that happen for all of us. Yeah, no, I think it's good. Um, Because again, you know, people sometimes will say to, sorry, um, you're like, oh my God, that, you know, that accident happened a couple of years ago. Like, you know, why are you still talking about it? Like, why are you still like, blah, blah, blah. You know, like they expect you to like, and it's just like, wait a minute, you didn't go through what I did. Exactly. And it's <laughs> going to be forever part of you. Yeah. And friends and family, I feel like I get the same questions like, oh, you're going to look back in five years and be like, wow, look at where I am now. And it's like people only know a certain amount of things to say, you know what I mean? And then it's kind of like, you don't know how to relate on the same level as somebody that's gone through something similar. Exactly. No, I agree. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, again, I don't think there should be like a time limit on something. No. Right. It just, it is what it is. 
and it goes, it's like there's different phases of it too. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you again so much for joining us on today's episode. Um, we'll definitely be in touch and um, I think we'll definitely share some of your details and we'll, we'll talk a little bit offline in terms of how people can reach out to you. Um, but if this story resonated with any of you, please feel free to contact us. Um, you know, everyone is out there to help each other. This is why we're doing this. So um, if you have a story to share, please reach out to us. Um, like, share this story with your friends. Um, we'd love to hear from everyone. 100%. Thank you very much, everyone. And thank you, Leah. Yes. Thank you so much, Leah. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great evening. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.